Coming up this week on Sporting Journal Radio. Did your first pheasant hunting in how many years? Oh, about 42 years. By the time I got to it, they'd eaten half of it. <laughs> they said, oh, oh, so sorry. It's so good, we couldn't stop. There are ecological winners and losers with, uh, with a big system change like that, particularly with invaders like zebra mussels. I fish, I hunt, and always will. Broadcasting from the Alclair Outdoors Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. We're not just a radio show anymore. This is Sporting Journal Radio. That's right. Welcome to the show. I'm Brett Amundsen. That's Dan Amundsen over there. Dan, how you doing? Doing great. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. we got a good show for you. If you had the chance to sit down with a retired conservation officer and pepper him with questions about uh, some of the craziest stuff he's seen in his career, would you do it? What would you ask him? Well, I'll tell you what I would do and what I would ask him with Darren Fagerman. He was the CEO up in Cook County up along the Gunflint Trail for a long time. He was, a, he was uh, spent half his time up there. He spent 30 years, half his time as a, a state trooper and half his time as a CEO. And he's going to join us later in the show to tell some stories. He's saving some of them for an episode of Prairie Sportsman coming up the next season. Also, Scott Mockentune will be joining us. They both came down. We did a little bit of pheasant hunting and uh, told some stories. Had a great time last weekend and uh, recorded an interview with them for the podcast, and that'll come up later in the show. Also, Joe Henry will talk about uh, a different opportunity to fight maybe the biggest fish of your life. We'll tell you what that is coming up later in the show as well, too. Dan, who are the sponsors this week? Live Target Lures. Match the hatch this winter at LiveTargetLures.com. Lake of the Woods Tourism. Lake of the Woods is the wallet capital. Plan an ice fishing trip this winter at LakeoftheWoodsMN.com. Haybell Heights Campground and Resort. Book a trip to Devil's Lake. Fish out of a snow bear. Learn more at HaybellHeights.com. Ottertail Lakes Country. Find your inner otter at OttertailLakesCountry.com. And Prairie Sportsman. The new season is close to coming out in January, but you can watch other episodes anytime at the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel. All right. I love it! Yes, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all those shopping deals getting ready for Christmas. We've got some deals for you, too. Go to our store at SportingJournalRadio.com. Click on Store. It's our Fish Hunt Forever store, and we got a deal going on right now for the next week through the end of November, November 30th. This will end. 30% off everything in the store right now using the code SJR Black Friday. So there it is right there on the screen, all capitals, one word, SJR Black Friday gets you 30% off our store at sportingjournalradio.com. You can get really cool wildlife-themed coffee mugs, tumblers, T-shirts, hats, and more. Check it out at sportingjournalradio.com. We'll also put the link in the show description below if you're watching this on YouTube. Make sure you do subscribe to our YouTube channel, Sporting Journal Radio on YouTube, and go to our new one as well, the Fish Hunt Forever channel. We have got some new videos on there, including my trip over to Horicon Marsh. It's a legendary waterfowl marsh in southeastern Wisconsin. It's been around forever. It's built around waterfowl and waterfowl hunting, and it still is. It's evolved over the years to include uh, trapping. It's still it's a registered uh, state uh, fur farm. So it's a Wisconsin state fur farm, which is pretty interesting. And there's some upland pheasant hunting opportunities, which is kind of a unique deal over there as well, too. Uh, watch it now at, at uh, Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. Uh, and while you're there, Dan, I just noticed that we're coming up on the one year anniversary of our Kodiak Island trip. Yeah, I actually just watched that video the other day while we were at deer camp. And I forgot, like, that's the coolest duck on That's the coolest trip I've ever been on. It's not even close. 
and watching the the opening scene as we're walking through the Anchorage airport, like I kind of got goosebumps and remembered just how jacked we were for that trip. And I miss that excitement. Like I don't have that right now. And because we don't have a trip like that planned currently, if anyone wants to take us on a trip to Alaska or something, you know, I mean, I'm open <laughs> to the go. open to the idea. But that was such an awesome trip and one that should be on everyone's bucket list, whether you duck hunt or not, or hunt or fish, go to Alaska. Yeah, it's the coolest place I've ever been to, and I, uh, yeah, just the I, I'll I'll never forget the feeling of. You know, like I remember as we left Seattle on our way to Anchorage, that's where we had the first stop. When we first looked out the window and saw mountains, and I think we were like three rows apart, and we both just looked at each other like, oh my gosh, <laughs> we're in Alaska. We're this is so cool. Yeah. And not just, I mean, Alaska, the mainland is obviously very impressive in itself, but Kodiak Island is on another level. And especially if you're a waterfall guy, I didn't realize how much Kodiak Island was like the mecca for waterfall hunters every time i've talked to somebody after we did that they're like oh man kodiak island's the best yeah like top of the mountain yeah well i remember uh before we went i was doing some filming for the next bite tv show so i was over with gary parsons over in wisconsin and we were talking about whatever and he asked where we were off to next i think yeah i'm off to alaska to duck hunt he's like oh where are you you going to you know what part of alaska and kodiak and he's like oh so not only are you going on probably the coolest duck hunt you can go on you're doing it in the coolest place on earth. Yeah. You know, I think he had been there and he's like, you're going to love every aspect of it. Put the duck hunting aside. And it's just, it's unbelievable. And I remember uh, Mark Smith talking about this. He was talking to his wife while we were there and she was asking how we were enjoying it. And Mark was like, well, yeah, it looks like every time they're in the kitchen, they're just looking out the window. So they can't get <laughs> enough of it. And, and she told him, well, yeah, you know, Mark, uh, we've been there for how many years? And we still do that exact same thing. Yeah. And I was telling that story to somebody as we were watching the, the show, as we were watching it at deer camp. And sure enough, the next clip is us talking in the kitchen. And there's Mark just standing, you know, staring <laughs> out the window because he just it's a view that you, you can't get enough of. It's, it's so like cool. pay-per-view. You know, or like t- having a giant TV screen. Well, you said it best in the show. It's like we're living in someone's screensaver right now. It's yeah. like with the, when you open up Microsoft and it's like, well, look at the desert or look at this mountain scene. Yeah, that was what we were looking at in person. You know, it looks like it's not real life. It's so cool. Everywhere you looked, you wanted to take a picture. It's a postcard. You know, or film it. So we ran through so many memory cards and so, so much hard drive space on that trip. I think I brought like 30 terabytes of hard drive space for that trip just in case because I knew it was going to be wild and uh, filled up quite a bit. So if you haven't seen Kodiak, our North American waterfowl film, you can watch it now on the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. I'm sure we'll link it, maybe link it below in the description probably. Sure. Man, why not? Tell me what to do. You're the boss. (laughs) We can do that with technology these days. Uh, So go there and check that out. Um, Dan, you mentioned you were at Deer Camp. You spent some time over in Wisconsin. Yeah, I came back uh, probably just to do this show, really. Mm -hmm. Um, You're welcome. But yeah, we've been over there, and uh, it's been tough. Uh, not a lot of deer moving around. Our wait a woods. minute, wait. Let's just back Hold up on. one second, okay? Because I don't know if have we explained the mustache yet? Was that were you? Did you have the mustache I last week? I wanted to do it. I can't. Yeah, it's a personal choice. Well, it's came, just happy Thanksgiving, mom. Yeah, you came back for some fire department training too, because you joined the fire department, and part of that deal you had to get rid of the beard. Mm-hmm. All right, so I can't even make fun of you for the stash. No, like I want to. Why so would bad. you? Why does it not look good? I, I think it's awesome that you joined the fire department. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's take a let's take a viewer poll. Okay, if you uh, tell me what you think, should Dan keep the stash? Well, I don't have a choice. 
Well, you could lose it. And Screw just go, that. <laughs> just go completely, you know, shave Naked? the whole thing off. Yeah. Gross. Who would ever do that? Uh, so if cool. you're listening on the radio, go to YouTube and be honest with me. I want to know. I'm a man. I can take it if you don't like it. Honestly, I don't care. No, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's really not as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah, exactly. I was going to make funny hard for it, but I, but I couldn't because of the reasoning behind it. And honestly, it's like, I'm getting used to it now. Everyone, when you, you were gone for a few days and he came walking through the door and it almost like it, it hit me again. Cause I've, I hadn't seen you with just the mustache for a while. So I want, I kind of snickered a little bit again, mm. But uh, no, it's good. good Jealousy is not a good look on you. So you came back to do the show and also do some of that uh, mandatory training. So uh, I think that's great. And now you're heading back to Wisconsin. How was you did a poll on your Instagram? I did. uh, Yeah, I did. I did this. Well, we did it on the Sporting Journal radio page, too, but um, it expired. Oh, good. That sucks. <laughs> I was going to share the results with you guys, but it expired. Dang, so, social media. So, but I, can, I I don't have the exact numbers for you, but I can tell you um, a lot of people said it was pretty similar to last year, and the handful of people, actually majority of people said it was uh, they've seen less deer than last year. So similar to what we saw in Minnesota. So why? I don't know. I've seen, this is probably the worst deer season I can remember. I've been hunting, actually hunting for I think 13 years I've actually been hunting. I've been wandering these exact same woods since I could walk, um, 20 plus years. Actually, I don't, my dad claimed I couldn't walk till I was seven. So I don't know the truth Sometimes on that Sometimes you can't walk at all. Yeah, you're you right. stumble quite a bit. Yeah, but either way, this is the worst season I can remember. Um, I don't know a reasoning. That's not an area that's littered with wolves. It's got them. It, they're around. Yeah. There's a lot of bear. I've crossed pre- wolf tracks in those Yeah, woods. they're definitely there. Lots of bears. But it's not like it's... Lots of bears. You know, it's not like northeast Minnesota where there's wolves everywhere. I'm not going to blame this on the wolves unless there's more wolves than I know about. So I want to look into it after the season, look into harvest numbers around the county, look into hunter numbers around the county. My dad was uh, sitting in one of the spots the other day that's closer to the road, to the county road there, and... He counted 108 cars in the morning we were sitting there. And, and that's just when he started counting. And now I don't know if that's normal for a Tuesday morning in that part of Wisconsin, but it didn't seem Seems normal. Like a lot. So we're wondering if uh, there's some more people in the area, if there's more people hunting. And, you know, you add X amount of people. If they shoot one deer, that's X amount of deer that are no longer there. So I don't know. It's well, uh, it'll be fun to look into and try to decipher why, or it's just one of them years. You've it happens. Got, you've got a lot of predators there. Obviously, the northern parts of Minnesota and Wisconsin have had some tougher winters in recent years, maybe some more snow. But you also have to remember that northwest Wisconsin area got hit with a couple of tornadoes uh, in recent years, and it's knocked down a lot of trees that changed probably changed some patterns for those deer. It has. We've hunted a number of seasons now after those tornadoes and we saw changes in the woods, but yeah. then we, the last couple of years, we've still shot a handful of deer. Now this year, I mean, mm-hmm. most of the group has yet to see a deer this year and, that, and that's of middle of the week. So they're all getting older though. So they, do they have <laughs> no. new glass prescription? Yeah. Glasses prescription. This is true. You're going to get ripped at deer camp. <laughs> no, if we're saying that Probably. we're all going to rip you behind your back. Well, I'm getting older too. And to so. be fair, we are already ripping you behind your yeah, back. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. All right. Well, good luck over there. We're going to do Thanksgiving. Uh, well, by the time this airs, we've done Thanksgiving already, of course. And you're back over in Wisconsin for the end of the, the gun season. And uh, I'll be up in a tree trying to film my bow tag yet. Um, for what? 
trying exactly trying to uh, maybe shoot some of the geese. The migration has been pretty decent before this cold front moved through. We'll see. I know a lot of the small ponds froze up uh, this week when things uh, got really cold. So we'll see what that does with the migration. Might might just build. Uh, but we've had uh, where we're at in southwest Minnesota, we've had a fair number of Canada geese move into the area. A handful of mallards, not not as many as I was hoping. It was we had one group of thirty mallards bomb the spread the other day? I was hunting with a buddy, and he just got there was a group of geese like feet down, about to touch the spread, and like thirty mallards cupped up behind him. And I was like, all right, let's. I started calling at the ducks. I'm like, let's wait for the ducks. He's like, ah, these geese are too close. And we did we did do pretty well on the geese but that's a dumb decision i've shot so many Canada, you know not so many but i've shot plenty of canada geese this year i don't know if i've shot five mallards i think i've shot maybe two mallards this fall it's ridiculous so i'm all about shooting some greenheads right now uh the good thing about that stuff freezing up is now pheasant hunters might be able to start walking some sloughs. I mean, you're going to want it to freeze up a little more solid before you really go out there on the ice. But a lot of pheasant hunters have been waiting for that to let those sloughs freeze up a little bit so they can get out there and uh, do some do some walking around. Danny, going to start pheasant hunting finally a little bit? or We'll see. Maybe. I don't know. You got the orange hat on. I do. It's deer season. Oh. I yeah. I don't know. I, like People give you give me a hard time for not pheasant hunting as much. I don't have a dog. It's just, it's hard for guys who don't have a dog to get super excited about pheasant hunting. You know, it's, you can go with a guy who has a dog, but the guy with the dog normally shoots most of the birds because yeah. they flush in front of the guy with the dog. Right. So I don't hate it. I, I'll make fun of you for it just because it's fun to make fun of you. Okay. And you get, you get so upset about it. Like well, it's, it's, like, it's a soft spot for you. What? And so I just like to drive that I dagger. enjoy it. Yeah. I want other people to enjoy and it. And you, I get, I honestly, I, I'm trying to figure out which I get more enjoyment out of actually pheasant hunting or just making fun of you. Because <laughs> you just, it's, you can't handle it. You're going to get a muzzleloader this year? I don't know. Maybe. maybe. Probably not. Hmm. Probably just bow hunt. Hmm. I should get a muzzleloader, but I probably won't. I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm starting to get deer hunted out. Uh, I, it's getting, well, the season's starting to we have a month. get a little late. But We have a month. I was hoping I'd have my tag full by now. All right. Anyway, good luck for those of you that are out there. Maybe you're in Wisconsin woods this weekend. Good luck, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to come back. We've got uh, Joe Henry coming up, and we've also got Scott Mockentune and Darren Fagerman all on the way in Sporting Journal Radio. 852 million acres of public land. 147 million private properties. All in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. Ice fishing season is here. This winter, plan a trip to Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Not only will you have the chance to catch their legendary perch, but this year, Haybale Heights has been catching big walleye after big walleye. And they're doing it from a mobile, comfortable snow bear. No matter how cold it is outside, you're warm and toasty on the inside. Learn more and book a trip today at haybaleheights.com. That's haybaleheights.com. All right, you are listening or watching Sporting Journal Radio. Thanks for tuning in on the network, by demand, sportingjournalradio.com, or maybe you're watching this on YouTube. Thank you very much. Now, we've got a couple of guests with us. We had a, a fun weekend of filming for Prairie Sportsman, so uh, we're going to bring on... I wonder if I can bring all you guys on here. Let me see. Dan normally does all this stuff. 
So I'm going to bring on Scott Mockentune right there. Scott, how you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. All right. Well, you're sitting in Dan's chair right now. If I, I feel like if this goes well today, you know, I'm just going to move out here. So <laughs> Dan's fired. Scott's new ho- a co-host and producer of Sporting Journal Radio. And uh, also Darren Fagerman. Darren, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming out. Uh, how, how, are the, uh, how are the hips holding up? They're doing just fine. Yeah? Yeah, doing just fine. Two new hips last year, and they performed quite well. We should explain the, what we're talking about. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> we talk about someone's hips. Uh, you walked through a bunch of cattails this weekend. Yes. And uh, did, did your first pheasant hunting in how many years? Oh, about 42 years. How'd it go? Excellent. Had a good time. It was a great workout. Burned a lot of calories, but we had a great time and uh, saw a lot of birds. And Scott, this was kind of your idea to bring him out here. Uh, explain why you wanted to bring Darren out here. Yeah, you know, um, Darren and I have been friends for a little while, and uh, I'm lucky enough that I've uh, been able to do some really fun things in northeastern Minnesota with him. And uh, I'm a big believer in reciprocity, so I've had him out to catch flathead catfish. That was successful. And the other thing that I know is not up in Cook County are ringneck pheasants, so we had to put this on the list as well. So happy to have made it work out today. Thank you. Did you get some flatheads? We got one, yes. Did you? A very one? nice one. Oh, really? Those are great fish. Yes. Can I can I tell the story? Sure. <laughs> All right. So he he just gave me license. We I booked him for two nights, and uh, <clears throat> we had a number of fish that ran off with the bait. And there's a nuance to setting hooks into flathead catfish, but you never want to take away the satisfaction of setting the hook for someone else, you know. So. You let Darren go. And, and I've had, I can tell you, listeners and viewers, that I've had plenty of fish that I've missed setting hooks on with flathead catfish. I think I've had some streaks where I've lost like nine or ten in a row. And it, and it makes you question everything that you do. So Darren being brand new to this, you know, I had him set some hooks. And I think he missed two or three fish. And then we were kind of like, you know what, just because I can feel them a little more and kind of, you know, have had some experience of that. Let me just see what happens here. And got it hooked up and, and handed it off. And I say there's no shame in that because, you know, we were running out of daylight. We were just about ready to leave. But that was a great fish. He battled it like a champ and got a great photo with him. And we'll, we'll do it again if he's if he's still uh, crestfallen by not being able to set the hook. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you ever, you, have you ever fished for catfish at all before no. that? No, never have before. That was the first time. All right. Minnesota River is kind of a, a unique body of water, uh, r- river, riverway, I suppose. Water. Yeah. Yeah. Water body, different, different than a lot of rivers in the state. Uh, a lot of different fish species to catch there. So a lot of different options. It's kind of like where you were up in uh, northeastern Minnesota up there. There's a lot of different opportunities to fish up there for different species. Yes. Lots of different trout. Um we got, uh, you know, of course, the walleye, big, big hog walleyes in some of the lakes up there, big pike, and uh, a lot of huge smallmouth bass. Um, were, you a, uh, were you a trout angler before you moved up there? Yeah, believe it or not, I grew up in Walker, um, and we didn't have a lot of opportunity around there, but there was a lake called Diamond Lake. When I was a kid, we used to fish in that lake. And then there was another one over towards Park Rapids. I can't remember the name of it uh, over that way. And I, I don't know why, but I just kind of fell in love with trout fishing. We did some stream fishing and, 
And uh, once I moved up to Grand Marais, um, that's basically what I fish for uh, most of the time. This summer, I did a little bit more walleye fishing than I normally do. But once you get hooked on uh, lake trout fishing and splake, brook trout, get into some of these back lakes, you know, um, remote lakes. It's just a lot of fun, especially in the fall when the brook trout are so beautiful. I mean, there's mm-hmm. one of the most gorgeous fish on the planet is a spawning brook trout. And uh, to get into these small lakes, um, catching splake and brook trout and, you know, the opportunities we have up there, just it's uh, it's wonderful. Can I ask you this then, Darren? <clears throat> you spent time on Lake Superior. You're pretty accomplished there as well, patrolling and, and then fishing it. How What was the learning curve like figuring out how to fish on Lake Superior? Well, I had a lot of friends um, that fished it for years, and everybody there is helpful. Um, I've got a friend that runs a charter business there, and his father um, uh, has, did it most of his life. And, you know, I took some trips with them. Um and uh, just kind of learned it. And you got to do it, you know, with a downrigger fish and you have to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes when you fish with a downrigger. Um, and uh, you just have to roll with it and learn as quickly as you can, because sometimes the mistakes cost you a little bit of money with that gear on the end. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, just kind of take a little bit from everybody that uh, goes out fishing with you and make it your own. I remember growing up, you know, we grew up fishing for bass and pike like a lot of people. Then I got into walleyes, and then I not, that's all I wanted to fish for were walleyes. And then I did a little stream trout fishing, and I used to look at, I think it's the that's I think it's the fly angler syndrome. But I used to look at you know trout anglers as being like I'm a trout angler, <laughs> you know, and, and they were the the better than everybody else. And then I then I fished for them a little bit, you know, rainbows first, and then brookies and and some steelhead, and uh, I realized just how hard they fight and just how angry they are. And I think maybe I've told you this before, Scott, but I I when people ask me about trout fishing and why I like trout fishing so much that I, uh, I, I, you know, Dan normally handles all of this computer stuff when we run the show. So if you're watching this right now, Dan's not here. It's kind of a train wreck right now because I haven't (laughs) operated all this stuff for a long, long time. So I apologize if you're watching this, it's kind of a train wreck, but anyway, I always tell people, Darren, if you watch the, the underwater camera at the state fair at the DNR fish pond, and you'll see, you know, you see muskies kind of hanging around. You see walleyes just stuck to the bottom. You'll see bass moving around and pike moving around. But trout, like rainbows, are just like, and lakers, they're just, they don't stop moving. And the best example I can, I can give people is that trick, that underwater camera at the state fair. So I, and then now I've been going to Saskatchewan and lake trout fishing, and I have a newfound appreciation for trout overall as a species. Mm. So, yeah, I'll, I'll second that, you know, I think about my time. There was one summer that I worked up on Lake Superior and we, one of the jobs that still is ongoing. If you ever are driving on Minnesota highway 61 and you're going over the knife river, if you look to towards the lake, you will see a, uh, kind of a concrete device and you're looking at a fish trap and the knife river fish trap. Uh, biologists are running it during the spring, during the migratory period, and they're seeing these steelhead come up in there. And it starts off, you know, they're flow dependent. The water really blows through there after ice out and the snow melt. And those fish are, are running into that trap. But as the spring goes along, 
uh, it, the water's temperature start to warm up. And when they warm up, again, this is a cold-blooded animal, and these fish are just getting more and more active. So these biologists are taking them out of the trap, and they're, they're really hard to handle. If you think about trout, there's nothing really easy to grab onto. They're super slippery. They don't have a lot of spines, and it ends up being a lot of work. So... Um, you know, when that time of year comes, you're Brett's hundred percent, right? Those, those fish are just full of, uh, full of anger and running around and they're a handful. So that is the beauty of, of trout fishing as they, they give you a pretty incredible fight. Darren, what was the, uh, tell us a little bit about those, uh, colored up brook trout that you, that you've caught over the years. Uh, if you go, go in towards the end of the season and the trout or the brook trout season closes at the end of October, the tree stream trout season. Um, and that's, you know, when they start mating, you know, they start changing colors and they just get, they're just beautiful. Um, I think brook trout are pretty gorgeous fish year round, but, uh, yeah. it's extra special in the fall and then just being out there in the fall. Um, you know, not many people around, you can have these lakes all to yourself, a lot of these back lakes and just go out there and enjoy the day. And, you know, I've been lucky enough in my life to catch some pretty big lake trout through the ice, you know, up over 30 pounds up in Canada and. And, uh, but I still get, I still get, uh, excited about a, you know, a 14 inch rainbow, you know, or a oh, yeah. six, 16 inch brook trout. It's still, well, especially if you're catching them on lighter gear. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. And I, I've, I've cut some spearing holes in the ice, um, in the, in the winter time, just, I shouldn't call them spearing holes cause I'm not spearing, but you know, spearing For sized holes. Yeah. And I do sight fishing and I watch them and I've learned a lot mm. that way, just like the underwater camera. And yeah. I learned how line spooky in ice fishing that these mm -hmm. trout can be. It's like the, uh, the natural live scope. <laughs> yeah. Sight fishing. That's so much fun. All right. We got to take a quick break. Uh, Darren Fagerman, Scott Mockentune with us. We'll be right back in Sporting Journal Radio. Live Target, the leader in Match the Hatch, is back with new lures that also match the action. Introducing the Live Craw. The Live Craw is irresistible to bass, walleye, and other freshwater species. FTEC's winner, the Ultimate Frog, looks and acts just like a swimming frog. With an exposed ultra point mustad hook and replaceable legs, the Ultimate Frog has two styles, two sizes, and eight colors. And iCast and FTEC's winner, the Live Shrimp, mimics a fleeing shrimp for saltwater anglers. Coming soon from Live Target. Looking for winter adventure? Might as well pick a place with over 1,000 lakes. Ottertail County, Minnesota is in the middle of everywhere, offers a simpler pace, and has something for everyone. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. We're back. This is Sporting Journal Radio. Thanks for tuning in on the network by demand, sportingjournalradio.com or by watching this on YouTube, along with Scott Mockensoon and Darren Fagerman with us right now here on the show. Uh, what were you saying about brook trout coloring? What? Yeah, Darren was talking about brook trout colors, how beautiful they are ahead of the spawn. And I got a free marriage tip for anybody listening. You okay. learn when to ask for permission and when to ask for forgiveness. And I really wanted to uh, have my mailbox custom painted like the sides of a brook trout. Uh, you know, in a male in full colors. And uh, I asked my wife and she said no. And if I'd have done that over, gentlemen or ladies asking your significant other, make sure you go ahead and do it. And then you ask for, <laughs> you ask for forgiveness <laughs> after the fact. 
those brookies are cool because they're native to Minnesota. Uh, the rainbows obviously are a lot of fun. A lot more stocked opportunities, I think, for the rainbows and lake trout and splake. Uh, you know, being a retired conservation officer, Cook County, when you were working up there, how how confusing did it get sometimes dealing with trout lakes, designated trout lakes, live bait, not live bait, you know, limits, season dates, this and that, inland, Lake Superior stuff. There's a lot going on up there. Yeah, they're all listed on a website. So you pick out what <laughs> lake you're going to go to. And it's pretty easy to to read up on what, what the regulations are. There are some lakes up there for uh, brook trout and uh, brown trout that are closed in the wintertime, like Thrasher um, and Thompson Lake you know, outside of Grammarie up by Devil Track up north on the Ball Club Road. So, yeah, you, you just you go on either the fishing synopsis or go online and it'll tell you um, when they're open. Um, designated trout lakes, you have to have a stamp and there are no, you know, no live minnows. Um, in in the wintertime, you know, with the smaller trout, you're better off jigging with a minnow head, you know, because even a dead minnow, if you're using a dead minnow, they can rip they're, they're pretty good bait stealers mm -hmm. uh wax worms i mean you can just solve everything right there by using the waxies they love waxies even even five pound lake trout i've caught on really small jigs and and wax worms and uh so you're moving that jig up and down all the time anyway in the summertime you know if you're trolling you don't i mean i i use a lot of times i just use an f3 rapala on the surface and you can catch all the rainbow and splake you want in the summertime you know just troll along on these lakes um that's the best advice I can give you for those little fish in the summertime. <laughs> Marriage tips and fishing tips. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you spent you spent thirty plus years up there. Yes. Cook County. Fifteen. Fifteen as a state trooper. Yes. Fifteen as a CO. Yeah. Uh, what, what did you like better? Well, I mean, I I love being. I'm like I said, I was proud to be a state trooper. A great organization. But uh, you know, for me, being a conservation officer, that's what I'm all about. I mean, being out in the woods and the water and. You know, I knew that uh, if I was out fishing and I had to go back to work the next day, I knew I could come right back working and check people and maybe get a little insight on uh, fishing tips, what people are doing. And sometimes I learn from people that maybe didn't know what they were doing and they got lucky and kind of went, huh, why are these walleyes in uh, four feet of water in the reeds at two o'clock in the afternoon with 80 degree water temperature? Mm -hmm. you know, I never would have thought of that, you know, but some things like that were, you know, kind of like, hmm. My mind was blown when I think I was talking to Joe Henry on the show one time and he was uh, fishing. It was like July or August. It was 90 degrees, middle of the day. And Lake of the Woods is maybe a bad example, but middle of the day and they were catching walleyes in like eight, six or eight feet of water. Mm. And so that, you know, and I, Jason Mitchell, I think is the first place I heard he was doing on Devil's Lake, pitching into reeds like that in shallow water during the day in the summer. And it's like, man, he's catching walleyes in three feet of water in the summer, mm -hmm. bright sun hot water like this, this, this isn't right that's not walleye there's no walleyes there yeah, it's but ever since then now i've caught a lot of walleyes in shallow water yeah so scott yep. the, what's the biology behind that <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's food right <laughs> well yeah I, I would say definitely it's food i mean i've heard a lot of folks talk about that in southern minnesota uh you know bowl shaped lakes that may not be easy to find find those fish and they're going to be up trying to find their forage. So yeah, I've, I've heard that quite a bit and, and considering, uh, 
you know, every lake's a little bit different, but our southern Minnesota lakes are usually pretty turbid, so uh, there's not as much sunlight penetration. You can find those fish up shallow. But, you know, every time that you think you know everything about fish, from an angling perspective or a biology perspective, you know, uh, fish will teach you something new, especially yes. on the behavioral side. Well, now with live scopes. And before we get, if we get into live scopes at all, before we do that, I want to ask you, uh, I think I heard about it. I was at the, uh, when Minfish did the state of fishing at clam were you there that day i was not nope well so there was some biologist i can't remember who it was came up and started talking about the effects of zebra mussels and their research was showing that on lakes that have a lot of zebra mussels they were catching walleyes in shallow water and finding walleyes in shallow water you think with the water clarity you think maybe those walleyes are moving deeper but the reason behind it was the forage base was changing because of the because of the uh, the zebra mussels cleaning up and taking away some of that forage, essentially that walleyes were getting there, having to go look for different things to eat, and they were only finding them up shallow. Have you ever heard of anything like that? Well, just at a real basic level, I mean, what you've sort of described it already for folks listening or watching that you know when we have a, a shift, particularly with zebra mussels, you're going to see. Uh, a lot of that energy in the lake is now going to go down to the benthos, in other words, to the bottom of the lake where the zebra mussel are. And then we're completely shifting the ecology of that lake. That water clarity is changing that much. There are ecological winners and losers with uh, with a big system change like that, particularly with invaders like zebra mussels. Uh, and then you have to see what the fallout is. What are the ramifications? How does the fish community change as the, bio, as the habitat changes? Um, how does that how does that change positioning, um, trophic structure and actual behavior? And so it's it's learning that. And that's why you really have to relearn a lake uh, when it changes that way, particularly when zebra mussels are introduced. You can't do what you always did to catch fish. You really have to change it up. What have you learned from live scopes? Oh, the behavior, man, watching those fish, as I always tell people, you know, seeing that in the response about zebra mussel impacts, you know, the behavior is going to change. We get asked all the time as a, as, a, as a fisheries professional, you know, why this fish does X, Y, or Z. And it's so hard to answer that because we can look at things at a population level. Uh, we can monitor those closely with our netting and, um, you know, assessments. But individual fish behavior, we don't know as much. And that's where underwater cameras are so informative and live scope. I mean, just the things that I've seen. And, and you hear that from professional anglers and fishing guides that are using it on a daily basis is... I had no idea these fish were here. They were doing this. It's like it's unlocking a whole world that we knew nothing about. One of the biggest changes I saw um, was with using 2D, you'd see an arc and you'd be like, okay, there's like, especially if you're trolling, like, all right, we're going to come over a fish, guys, get ready, get ready. And then using 2D and live scope side by side, and you'd be watching this fish on the live scope and you'd be thinking, you'd still be picturing that 2D arc, that fish just, he's just hanging out down there, maybe hiding behind a rock or something, maybe a little, little, uh, depression. No, uh, particularly lake trout, they're cruising mm -hmm. and walleye, even the walleyes were doing that. Like they just constantly moving around and they might be coming up to your bait. They might be backing off. They might be going here, going there, but that arc is still just not, you know, it's just static, just slowly scrolling by on your 2D. Yeah. But that live scope just shows you just how 
how, how they're reacting to your lure presentation more than anything, but that they're a lot of times they're just moving around and, 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 you know, maybe leaving, maybe coming, maybe there's a second one coming in that your, you know, sonar didn't get. So it's, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I love it. I love using them so much. Uh, did you ever, did, were there much, was there much live scope use when you were still working or is that? No, it's no, I retired four years ago and not that I remember. Yeah. Because I bet you people will be lugging those things into the boundary waters. No, you'll be seeing them on the side of canoes for sure. <laughs> thinking about it. I know I had a hard enough time just carrying what I needed to survive. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. We'll see. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, it's been a lot of fun having you guys out here. Uh, Darren, it was a lot of fun getting to meet you. I'm glad we got you out chasing roosters around. And I don't know if we want to tell them how successful you did we did we already talk about it how successful you were or not successful i can't remember if we mentioned it on the show you can spill the you can spill the tea you were successful you better better tell them well i got my rooster all right (laughs) i'll say we'll make them wait for the prairie sportsman episode to maybe see you get the rooster uh, and then see how scott does too we saw a lot of birds because we worked i mean it wasn't easy we did see some birds but man they made us earn it there's no doubt about it little sweat little blood yeah so literally it's a little different than grouse hunting isn't it yes it is yeah <laughs> they're gonna taste good though they do taste good yeah. i you know that's a that's i i think even the diehard pheasant hunters will tell you that uh rough grouse are still going to be better table fare but it's close like it's pheasants pretty tough to beat i eat a lot of grouse oh. i love my pheasant parmesan but uh. We found out Darren does not like Parmesan, so he will not be having any. No, no, no. (laughs) We've eaten pizza twice. Just don't put any Parmesan on it. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. What's your favorite way to cook rough grouse, Darren? Uh, Last question. Very, very simple. I just fry it in butter with garlic salt. Mm. That's it. Gosh, That's it. Just fry a, a breast in butter with garlic salt and with a couple of eggs. One morning I have grouse and eggs, and next morning I have eggs and grouse, and I switch it up. <laughs> so That's yeah, it's it's That's the way I like it. Right My wife she'll do it, you know, in the crock pot, and so I think you could you could fry up a leather boot in butter and make it taste good. Like <laughs> it's so it's so good and so yeah. easy to do. All right, uh, Darren Scott, uh, good luck on your next adventure. Maybe Thank we'll you. do some ice fishing up north with you guys. Be uh, great this winter. It'd yeah, be a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for the time today on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Brett. Come ice fish the famous waters of Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, the walleye capital of the world. Experience full-service resorts featuring heated fish houses, ice transportation, meal plans, and sleeper house options. From the northwest angle to the south shore, Rainy River and Baudette, the Midwest's number one ice fishing destination. Walleye, sauger, perch, and northern pike, Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, best fishing anywhere. For more information, log on to lakeofthewoodsmn.com. All right, the winter season is almost on us. The small ponds and sloughs are starting to freeze up, making pheasant hunters happy. Uh, Maybe not the waterfall guys so much, but getting the ice anglers really excited. And nothing kicks off the ice season like the uh, St. Paul Ice Show. And Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism joins us now. Joe, you're going to be down there in the cities, aren't you? Yeah, you know what? Uh, It's a St. Paul Ice Fishing Show. It's the largest ice fishing show in North America. And you're darn right I'm going to be there. we're going to be down there, Brett. We're going to be uh, talking ice fishing. You know, it's, it's great to talk with people. People have questions. Hey, when should I go? Where should I go? What are my choices? 
day house, sleeper house, northwest angle, south shore, or any river? What species do you target? Do you have morning, do you have the, the shallow deep packages with fish houses where you can, you know, fish the morning, evening hours in shallow water and go deep? What if I want to go to an ice road and pull my own fish house? What about using collapsibles? What about snowmobile trails on the lake? What kind of access is that going to be if I have my own sled and collapsible? I mean, we're, we're, we're you know, we're, we're there to answer questions. We're there to help people so they can have a better experience. We're going to be giving away uh, a three-night, two-day ice fishing trip from one of our resorts. In this case, it's uh, Royal Dutchman Resort, which they do a, uh, Kevin and Jennifer do a great job. And uh, But they're giving away a nice ice fishing trip, so you can register for that. And, of course, we have our visitor guides, which you know, full of information about Lake of the Woods uh, all seasons. And uh, you know what? It's uh, it's going to be pretty pretty exciting show. This this is an exciting show. You've been there. There's there's excitement. It's kicking off the season. There's other shows that happen, you know, but this is the granddaddy of them all, as they'd say. And it looks like the 30th anniversary of that show, too. So I'm oh sure my. it's going to be a big one. And, Joe, not to sit and talk about the Royal Dutchman, but every time I hear about that resort, it makes me think of Pirates of the Caribbean, first of all. Yeah. Uh, the right. Dutchman. And then, uh, so I just picture, like, Captain Jack Sparrow fishing for sturgeon up on the Rainy River. For, for whatever reason, that's the image I get when we talk about the Royal Dutchman. Well, I'll tell you this much. Uh, so th- those guys, they, uh, their, their uh, hotel slash resort is just east of Bidet on the Rainy River. So they fish the lake. So they got they go out of they go out of uh, you know you know out of the south shore off the four mile bay there, and they have a you know the ice roll all set up. They got their fish houses out there all heated, but they also do some ice fishing on the Rainy River for sturgeon. So you know if you wanted to have a unique experience fishing sturgeon through the ice, and okay, th- those guys are just sturgeon uh, they're sturgeon nuts. I mean they're you know they fish walleyes. Just like the musky people, they fish walleyes too. It's it's what we're known for, and it pays the bills. It's our bread and butter. But in this case, instead of going after muskies, they go after sturgeon. And I'll tell you what, uh, you should see the size of the holes that they punch <laughs> when you're fishing yeah. sturgeon and collapsible, and the heavier dutier rods, ice rods they use, and it's really quite interesting. Yeah, I could see that picking up in popularity. You know, as uh, open water surge and fishing has really g- exploded in recent years up there on the Rainy River, I could really see it picking up in the in the winter too. We fished for sturgeon through the ice one time. Uh, didn't didn't we didn't land one through the ice? Sure, right? we did. Did we? We landed. Oh, we landed one. Yeah, you caught one, right? Yeah. You <clears throat> caught one, but we lost a couple. Uh, and I know, you know, yours was it was a nice fish, but it wasn't one of those big big giants. And I could just I just could not imagine lifting one of those huge huge fish out onto the ice through one of those holes up on the rainy river joe oh yeah it it, i mean you talk about a fight a fight through the ice i mean it would hang on it would take a while and uh it's those fish are big you know i i've caught a few sturgeon through the ice on the lake fishing for walleye and i can remember i can remember one instance it was a golden hour you know just that last hour of the daylight and i had a nice mark come in on my my uh, vexilar and jigging my jigging spoon with a piece of minnow on it you know and jig jig let it sit jig jig let it sit come on eat eat boom set that hook freaking rod broke my rod broke <laughs> so i told the people who made a fish house here here bales open hold this and give me line as i need it and i grabbed that line and you know and i didn't know if it was a big walleye a big pike a muskie a lake trout that happened to swim down in the winter we get a few lake trout once in a while down in the south end or a surgeon. And sure enough, after 45 minutes, I, I kind of knew what it was. And, you know, actually, I, I had a keep tag and I got it up and it was the right size. 
you know, um, and we, I ended up keeping, I, I, I tell you what happened. I got it up and when I was putting it back, it was just, it seemed like it was toast. And, uh, you, you know, I, uh, I wasn't going to put it back. I didn't think it was going to live. So I, uh, I kept that one and smoked it and, uh, man, it was good. I'll tell you a funny story. A friend of mine worked at a meat market. He's like, Oh yeah, no, no. What we do is we will smoke like a sturgeon or your, your tulipies. What we do is we smoke them. And then we give you, we give you, uh, you know, half of it back. So in this case, he was going to get me a deal on smoking the fish. Well, they smoked the sturgeon, and my buddies told me, "Hey, Joe, we got your sturgeon back. It's uh, it's at our house. Just come pick it up." By the time I got to it, they'd eaten half of it. <laughs> they said, oh, "Oh, so sorry. It's so good. We couldn't stop." So wait, wait a minute. Back, did you say they you give it to them to smoke, and they give you half of it back? With, with they, they do that normally with like tulipies. They had, and I don't know if they still do it, but they would do that with tulipies. That if you'd bring them ten tulipies, they'd smoke them up with their brine and everything, and they'd give you five back. And their payment was taking the five. You know? Oh, oh, I see. Okay, so you weren't and, paying for ten and getting five. That's what I was confused about. Oh yeah, no, no, that, so that's I, a I great that, deal but, for them. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. But uh, but no, they they but they smoke that sturgeon and. Uh, you know, the DNR, you know, on, on Lake of the Woods, speaking of sturgeon, you know, during the keep season, you're allowed to keep, you know, one sturgeon per calendar year as long as you, you purchase that $5 sturgeon tag. And, I'm sorry, uh, Joe. I'm just watching Greg Jones. I don't know if he could lift the rod any higher in that fish house. Well, <laughs> did you that. see that thing worked over? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rewind that. Can you rewind that just a little bit, Dan? If you're watching this on YouTube or watching a video, it's on Nicole Stone's uh, Facebook page, it looks like, a video of Greg Jones. Catch the stir. He just keeps lifting the. <laughs> he's gonna get it. And, he, and he's holding. He's holding his uh, bail too, so the drag doesn't come out. You got to figure he's probably fought that fish for four yeah. or five minutes an hour. Trying to just get it over with. Yeah, but but that's uh, that's that sturgeon those guys caught on on camera last year, you know. And uh, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a good. You can see it's also dark, so they ran out of daylight. <laughs> and they pulled that sturgeon up now at night, you know. Wow. Yeah, that would be a blast. I, we might have to do that this winter, Dan. I'm in. Yeah. Those sturgeon are so much fun. You know, and and with the popularity of catch and release fishing nowadays, you know, being able to fight a fish that big, uh, you know, not at the Rainy River, you know, not far from anywhere that anybody's listening to this. That's a fun trip to take and doing it through the ice would be fun. Oh man, look, look, look at him grab that sturgeon and get him up. Look how thing just keeps coming. Just keeps coming out of that hole. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But you know, that's, that's one of the neat things about Lake of the Woods. You know, we've said it before and you know, it might, it might sound like, uh, is that Alex with him? Sorry, Joe. Is that it Alex? Is Alex. That's Alex, yes. wasn't it? Alex I think it is. Yep. Nice. Go ahead. Sorry about that. No, no, I'm just gonna say, you know, it sounds like a pitch. Oh, you know, but it's, it's true. you never know what you're going to catch on Lake of the Woods. I mean, you know, like I mentioned, we get some lake, we get a few lake trout during the winter. And what happens is those lake trout live, you know, up in the, the, the islands of Ontario in deep water. But during the winter with the, the, the temperature of the water fairly, fairly consistent, some of those fish will uh, start roaming. And they'll get down to that southern basin and our, our walleye anglers will catch them on the Big Traverse Bay. And, of course, you get your eel pout, you got your monster pike. Once in a while, somebody catches a muskie. You just never know. Yeah, perch, crappie, yeah, bass. Tulabies. I mean, you know, just... It's just kind of fun, you know, and, and usually you do get your mis mixed bag. Normally you're going to get your, your walleyes, your sagas, your jumble perch, your, your eel pout, your tulabies. And now, nowadays, actually, in the basin, even, you get a, a crappie here and there. Yeah. Um, 
But of course, then you throw in some of your other fish, like your your sturgeon, lake trout, muskies, and, and, and pike. Of course, pike you get. But it's just kind of fun. It's kind of fun. You never know what you set that hook. You hope it's a big walleye, but yeah, sometimes it's sometimes it's not. When you do a show like the St. Paul Ice Fishing Show, what's the number one question you get when people come up to the booth? Where should I go ice fishing this year? Where can I go? They're gonna catch the most fish. And you know, I, you know, I, I, you know, my answer is just authentically. It's like, well, number one, that's like political suicide for me because there's over sixty lodging facilities at Lake of the Woods. But you know, I think, I think really what what it is is decide when when can you go fishing. Number one, when when's the best time for you to go, and then based on that, make some game plans. You know, and make some plans. Um, people ask about the Northwest Angle. Um, how how is it getting up there? What 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 do you have to do to get up there nowadays? Have the rules changed? Have they gone back to where they were? Uh, people ask about you know should I should I go to a place where I you know drive out and sleep on the ice or should I stay back on shore? Um, should I drive out or should I go in with one of the resorts that has ice transportation like a a bombardier or a track rig? I mean, there's pros and cons to everything. You know, well, and, if they if they can't make it to the show, Joe, where can they find out more about this information from home? Yeah, well, you know what? We have an ice fishing page on our website that really it has videos on there. It answers a lot of these questions, and it really gives you some good intel. And our, our website is lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Thanks, Joe. Have a good show in St. Paul. Thanks for Thanks, being on guys. today. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to sportingjournalradio.com.